Hello and welcome to today's episode of The Quad Shot, where we help you down and digest the day's most pertinent cancer news. Hey, all you cool cats and kittens. It's April 20th, 2020. Welcome to the Quadcast. Let's dive in. First up, better not change. So here's a tough one. Should anything change in definitive radiation for head and neck cancer during a pandemic? While certain disease sites have thinned considerably on many on-treatment rosters, the number of head and neck cases referred for radiation are higher than ever amidst widespread operating room closures. This 31-author, 12-nation, astro and estro collaborative show of might is here to offer guidance, as published in the Red Journal 2020 by Thompson et al. Analogous to the astro and estro lung cancer consensus, five common cases were explored for both early and late pandemic scenarios. First, there was strong consensus that definitive treatment of any M0 meaning local regionally confined case, should not be delayed, nor should postoperative treatment in the setting of positive margins be delayed. For patients with active COVID-19, there was strong consensus to delay initiation until the patient tests negative. On the other hand, there was consensus to not interrupt treatment, particularly after the first two weeks, if the patient acquires COVID-19 during treatment with the exception being if they had severe symptoms precluding safe continuance of treatment. The use of non-standard hypofractionation was unpopular amongst the panel. In the risk mitigation phase, or early phase of a pandemic, there was a consensus to continue to employ standard fractionation and concurrent chemotherapy. However, with severely reduced resources, hypofractionation must be employed and concurrent chemo used only with fraction sizes less than or equal to 2.4 gray. Finally, with OR closures, there was agreement to wait for surgery in lieu of definitive radiation for oral cavity cancers if surgery can be done within eight weeks for early stage and within four weeks for advanced stage disease. The bottom line is management of head and neck cancers shouldn't change unless resource shortages mandate it. Up second, Oceans 11. Between the Chinese trial reported last year and pandemic regimens, you've no doubt heard a lot of talk about hypofractionated postmastectomy radiation. And while the big Western trial we're all waiting for, RT Charm, is pending, here We have a five-year update, as published in the Red Journal 2020 by Poppy et al., from the RT Charms Phase II predecessor. In this trial, 69 women with stage 2A to 3C breast cancer received 36.63 gray in 11 fractions of postmastectomy radiation to the chest wall and regional lymphatics. Importantly, high-risk features such as T4 disease and young age were allowed. The majority received chemotherapy at greater than 90%, the majority had axillary dissections at 84%, and most underwent reconstruction at 59%. And almost all patients 
received a 13.32 gray in four fraction SCAR boost. Among reconstructions, 88% had temporary expanders during radiation. At five years, the rate of local regional recurrence was 5% with a distant disease-free survival rate of 77% and overall survival of 90%. Late toxicity was fairly mild with 30% having grade one hyperpigmentation and 8% having late chest wall pain. Only one patient developed lymphedema. Finally, 35% had a grade three or four reconstruction complication. The bottom line is, hypofractionated postmastectomy radiation in a U.S. population appears to have favorable, acute, and late toxicity. Up next, scheduled maintenance. For metastatic urothelial carcinoma, first-line treatment is platinum-based chemotherapy. Many patients will progress relatively soon after first-line chemo, and pembrolizumab is the preferred second-line option because it improves overall survival compared to second-line chemotherapy. So why not just give pembrolizumab as maintenance therapy? Well, in this randomized phase two trial, as published in the Journal of Clinical Oncology 2020 by Golsky et al., patients with advanced urothelial cancer that was stable after initial platinum chemotherapy were randomized to either maintenance pembrolizumab or placebo. Crossover to pembrolizumab was allowed at the time of progression. An initial question is whether switching to another active regimen as quote-unquote maintenance will produce an incremental response. With pembrolizumab, the incremental response rate was 23% compared to 10% with placebo. With respect to the primary endpoint, maintenance pembro prolonged progression-free survival from 3 to 5 months. Overall survival data is still maturing, but ultimately, a strategy of either upfront immunotherapy or chemotherapy with maintenance immunotherapy will be determined by ongoing phase 3 trials. The bottom line is, maintenance pembrolizumab after platinum-based chemotherapy may improve outcomes compared to pembrolizumab at progression. Up next, lost HER. We've known for a long time that continuing HER2-targeted therapy, even after initial progression, further improves outcomes in HER2-positive breast cancer based on randomized data. Here, we have the T-ACT study, as published in JCO 2020 by Makiyama et al., that was designed to assess the same hypothesis for advanced or metastatic HER2-positive gastric cancer. This phase 2 trial randomized 91 patients with trastuzumab refractory disease to paclitaxel versus paclitaxel plus a continuance of trastuzumab. Unfortunately, median progression-free and overall survival, as well as response rates, were the same regardless of the addition of trastuzumab. Interestingly, among 16 patients with available tissue upon progression with first-line trastuzumab, over two-thirds no longer expressed HER2. The bottom line is, once gastric cancer proves refractory to trastuzumab, 
it's likely to remain that way. Up next, the X factor. By now, we all know that adding capecitabine for triple negative breast cancer that persists after neoadjuvant chemo improves survival based upon the CREATE-X study. So the question is, can it add anything as a standard addition to adjuvant chemotherapy for those undergoing upfront surgery? In the Chinese Phase 3 CBCSG-10 trial, as published in JCO 2020 by Li et al., 636 women with resected triple negative breast cancer received standard adjuvant docetaxel followed by epirubicin and cyclophosphamide, and they were randomized plus or minus to the addition of capecitabine throughout. Indeed, the primary endpoint of disease-free survival was significantly improved at five years, taking it from 80% to 86% with the addition of capecitabine. And overall survival, although not significantly, was improved from less than 91 to 93% at five years. Importantly, the only notable toxicity added with capecitabine was an 8% rate of grade 3 plus hand foot syndrome. The bottom line is, adding capecitabine to standard taxane and anthracycline-based adjuvant chemotherapy for triple negative breast cancer improves disease-free survival. Up next, one is the loneliest number. Despite eight gray times one being the world heavyweight champion of palliation for bone metastases, this NCDB analysis shows that fewer than 10% of patients with bone metastases get single fraction treatment. The majority of people, 50 to 60%, still use 30 gray and 10 fractions, which is a reasonable strategy. But there has been a greater than 50% drop in the use of protracted, defined as greater than 10 fraction, treatment regimens from 34% in 2010 to 15% in 2015, thanks to Wegner et al., Practical Radiation Oncology, 2020. Up next, COVID ops. Unfortunately, the transmission of COVID-19 has far outpaced our ability to produce well-designed phase three therapeutic trials with rigorous follow-up and analysis. But here we have a comprehensive review of what little we do know thus far about various agents purported, purported to lessen disease severity Check out the link in the newsletter to the JAMA 2020 publication by Sanders et al. to learn more about potential pharmacologic breakthroughs, including chloroquine, hydroxychloroquine, plus or minus azithromycin, as well as some novel agents, such as remdesivir. Finally, generosity which may just be the best anxiolytic, according to some psychologists. This timely editorial explains how, when we proactively counteract stressful environments like global pandemics, 
we remind ourselves that this isn't forever. Thanks to Parker Pope, New York Times, 2020. This concludes today's episode of The Quad Shot. If you like what you've heard, please consider giving us a five-star rating and subscribing to our podcast. Also, check out our website at www.quadshotnews.com and subscribe to our newsletter. We'll catch you next time.